Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the author of our faith, Jesus. Lord God, it's always about you, Jesus. There's a thread through the Bible for every character that reveals Jesus' glory and the rescue mission that you came on. Lord God, we pray that you'd ready our hearts like the soil that's ready for the seed, Jesus. Lord God, things might challenge us, things might um, offend us sometimes. That's the reality of the gospel, Lord God. But we pray, Lord God, that we would take your heart from every single message that we receive this morning, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Let your presence fall here this morning. Amen. Right, before we get going, um, bit, I'm only going to spend about 20 to 25 minutes talking this morning because there's going to be a bit of interaction, a bit of a clip of the film as well, but there's also going to be an onus uh, upon you to do a bit of self-study yourselves, and we'll see you to me a bit later. So, only going to be about 20 to 25 minutes then. I'll be asking you to go away at home, whether you're married or single or with friends or whatever, and go and do a little bit of studying yourself. So just to make us ask, Dylan's going to pull a quick clip on for us. Strength and honour. Strength and honour. Strength and honour. At my signal, unleash hell. So, 10 points you can guess the film. Gladiator, fantastic. And we've got Maximus there, who's a Roman general, who is leading his troops into Germania to fight a rebellion. And his key word there is that what we do in this life leaves a legacy. What we do has an impact on those around us. And that's the concept that we're going to be exploring today. We're going to do a bit of a case study today. Now, we see with the Bible that the Bible covers a massive period of time. And what the Bible does brilliantly is that it slows down when the event happens that God is trying to teach us something. When it almost goes into slow motion and it zooms in to an event that happens that God is trying to teach us something with. 
And so what we're going to slow down and look at today is the book of Ruth. And we're going to look at a character called Elimelech and look at how his actions affect others, how his actions leave a legacy. So if you could turn your Bibles to Ruth 1, verses 1 to 5. So Ruth 1, verses 1 to 5. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Marlon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. So we've got this guy called Elimelech, who's living in Bethlehem in Judah. And it's really important that we just set a scene as to what's going on. When you actually look at it at face value, it doesn't sound like a lot. A man is picked up, there's a famine, he goes to another land to settle. Two sons get married, they die, and there's a lady left behind. Elimelech was living in the promised land. So this is the land that was promised to the Israelites when they were held in captivity in Egypt. The Israelites were treated horrendously by the Egyptians. They were forced to work. They had no rights. They were treated almost like dogs. And so God eventually saw just how bad the suffering was. And he decided, that's enough. I need to do something about it. The cries of the Israelites went to the Father. So we see in Exodus 3 verse 7 that the Lord speaks to Moses, who he asks to bring them out of captivity. And he says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, of their harsh slave drivers, the Egyptians. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the land that Elimelech is living in. This is the promised land, the land of milk and honey. This is the land that space is guaranteed, that blessings are falling upon. So the first question is, why then is there a famine happening? Why is there a famine happening? Why is there a famine, sorry, happening in the promised land? Well, we see that the promise of this land comes with a certain responsibility on behalf of the Israelites. The Lord tells Joshua before he invades the promised land that he needs to be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land of the ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gives you. Do not deviate from them, turning either left or right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. You see, God's given them the promised land, but there is an expectation that they can stay true to the Father. They would stay true to the teachings of Moses that were given by the Lord. They would stay true and focused upon the true king. But as we focus back on Ruth, we see something clear that's happening. It's set in a period known as the Judges. The Judges, a couple of books before, is not a great time for the Israelites. Actually, we see that the Israelites are doing anything but staying true to the Father. The Israelites are actually in chaos. The people are far from God. They're doing whatever they want. 
They do whatever they think is right. As long as it feels right, it's okay. Sound familiar? Judges 21 verse 25 describes this time as a time when people sinned and did what they thought was right in their own eyes. They've lost the focus on the Father. The people thought they had freedom by doing what they want, but actually they were slaves to their own sin. So the famine is a prophecy from Leviticus 26 that is used in order to bring their focus back to the Father. And we see that throughout Judges. The people fall away. God sends them and say, wake up, listen. Do you not remember me? I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. They come back to the Father and they fall away again. It's almost like a repetitive cycle. Now it's really important to note here that not every bad thing comes from God. That isn't, this isn't the case. However, it's really important that sometimes we do a self-check, almost like a self-MOT. We stop, and when things go wrong, when things go, something happens that we're just not predicting, we just check and just see, is God trying to tell us something in this? We're told in Hebrews 12, 6, that the Lord disciplines those that he loves. A true father, a loving father, will at times step in. As I said before, some things just happen, but it would be wise at every opportunity to just take a step back and say, is God trying to tell me something in this? Is there a reason why this is happening? So as we go back to Elimelech, we have this character living in God's land, and his very name means, my God is my king. He's living in the promised land. His name is, my God is my king. You'd think he'd be up for it. Yet, when it gets hard, what does he do? He surveys the situation, he sees the famine, and instead of seeking God, getting on his knees and praying, he ups and leaves, taking his family out of the promised land. Now it's important here that we show a bit of sympathy for Elimelech, it's really easy here to bash him, but he's there in the middle of a land where there is no food whatsoever. His family are probably starving. Can you imagine what you did? How would you feel? It would be tempting to take them out and find food because that seems the right decision. But what we think is the right decision isn't always correct. What we think is right for our family, for our lives, isn't always what God has got planned for us. And that's the first point, really, that I just want to bring. When things get hard, when things don't go right, do you know God's promises? Do you know what God has called you to do? Do you know what plan is for you? Are you spending time asking God when things are tough, when things are well? Are you asking the Father, Lord God, what what are you telling me here? What do you want me to do? Elimelech didn't, and we'll see the knock-on effect. Elimelech must have known that the name Bethlehem means land of bread. He must have. There's a promise there, not only on the promised land, but on the place where he's living. There's blessings there. Yet Elimelech seems oblivious to this. Not only taking himself out, but his whole family. Do you know God's promises for your life? Do you know what God wants you to do? Spend time seeking him. When things get tough, when things are great, spend time on your knees asking the Father. Elimelech, some might say, I've done a bit of reading about this, would say that he took the easy way out, the coward's way. He faced a problem and took the easiest option. Some might say that's sensible. Starving, let's go find some food. But it's clear that the easy option had a damaging effect on his family. Sometimes we need to confront periods of hardship head on. 
We need to ask God if there's anything we've done to contribute. We need to pray, seek the word, and then do what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. His famous words, not my will, but yours. Even if it's a difficult choice, sometimes it might mean times of abundance. It might mean times of poverty. It might mean times of stress. It might mean times of worry. It might mean times of you just don't know what's going on. But that we see within Judges that when people stay true to the Father and they come back to the Father, the Father always comes back and supports them. The Father always comes back and gives them a helping hand. But it requires us to submit to the will of the Father. Now, Elimelech is the head of his family by moving them out made a massive mistake. And there's a learning point here, whether we're single, married, whatever. If you're single and you're looking, you're interested in somebody, what you should be looking at is, is this person that I'm going to marry going to help me when times get tough, when things are hard, keep my focus on God? Are they going to help me remember God's promises for my life? If they're not... Probably not the best person, probably not the wisest person to be with. If you're married, are you guys spending time together remembering God's promises? Are you spending time together praying, finding out what God wants you to do? I can remember when me and Ham first got married, and the first year of our marriage was really, really hard. Um, we had two family members get really, really poorly. We had Ham's mum get cancer. Um, I got really, really poorly myself. Um, our house sale fell through just as we were about to move here. Um, I couldn't find a job, Han couldn't find a job, and it's just, I can just remember, just stressed out. And now I wanna, want, what I want to say to you all is that I was there going, oh God, yes, we know what God says. And actually, if I'm honest, I wasn't the one doing that. I was going, Han, are we doing the right thing moving to Chester? Is this what God wants us to do? And, you know, just love it. She kept saying, just remember, what has God prophesied over us? What has God told us? What is the plan? That's somebody that you want to be with. That's a, a real attitude to have. And guys, it makes the women look smoking hot. I tell you, oh, she looks stunning. Just when she was just giving that advice, you just go, nah, I picked a good one. I picked a good one. <laughs> now, you might say, he's living in a place where food is scarce. So what's wrong with him moving out? What's wrong with him moving his place, his family to a place where there's no food? Well, where he moves them to is a massive error. He's not listening to the father and he decides to take them out. He's not remembering God's promises and he takes them to the land of Moab, which was inhabited by the Moabites. The Moabites were descendants of Lot. Lot had a lot of issues. He, uh, he, um, for instance, he slept with his own daughter. Um, if you read about Lot, you know, he's got quite a few problems. They worshipped a devil, God, called Chemosh. They were evil people. And God many, many, many times in the Bible warns them about the Moabites. He warns them not to go near them. They were sexually promiscuous. They were ungodly. Murder was rife. They just did what they wanted to do. They lived a life that was unpleasing to God. And Elimelech's decision to move to Moab showed a lack of dialogue and a lack of understanding with the father. Elimelech here was thinking short term, I need food, I see food. That's what he does. I need food, I see food, let's go and get it. Not thinking about the wisdom that God had told them, the, the ideas that God had given them. He wasn't thinking about the implications of his move on his whole family. He's moving them to a place where there is nowhere to worship. They did not believe in God. He's moving them to a place where they would have no fellowship. Not a wise choice. He moved them to a place where 
that people didn't care about God and God's law. Not a wise choice. This is a short-term outlook. This is the thinking of the here and now, not the knock-on effect of our choices. Now, just yesterday, uh, me and Ham were watching a little bit of TV, a bit of catch-up TV, um, and I was hit by three adverts. I love bringing adverts because they're brilliant for preachers. Um, so, what I've done is, under some chairs, I stuck three of those advert slogans under a chair. So I want to have a feel. Imagine I want the chair that you're sat on. If you've got one, come and bring it to the front. Have a feel. You might have to look around a couple. I've stuck them nice and tight. If you've got one, come and bring it up. If you've got one. There's three, and I stuck on, and I made sure they didn't fall off. Make sure my little boy doesn't grab them. You've got one, just come and bring it to the front. There's definitely one over here somewhere. Definitely one over here, there's definitely one over here somewhere. Unless my little boy's taken off and eaten them. Maybe, maybe somebody's got a fantastic job. Any joy? No? Hey, you've got one here. Shannon's got one. They are really stuck on just to warn you. Right, come on, Dave. Right, what? Excellent. Start. Just come off and read it in a second. Right, I'll just make the other two up then. Um, right, Dave, read us yours. Go on. You only live once. What do you think that was advertising? You only live once. Um, got the one over there. What do we think you only live once? I laughed my head off when I heard this. What do you think that's advertising the chat out? Hey? Pardon? You only live once. Pardon? Funeral services. Funeral services. Right? You only live once. Oh, sorry, Dave. I said, I said funeral service. Funeral service. <laughs> <laughs> One more question. Somebody very fantastic. A car. A car, fantastic. It was a car. Excellent. I'm not going to say the make. I'm not going to name and shame. But um, it was a car. Fantastic. The world one there. Come back. Come, on, come down and read it to us, please. <laughs> if you're it, it's always one. Do whatever feels good. Thanks, buddy. What do you think that's for? Give you clues to food. Chocolate. Fantastic chocolate. Again, I'm not going to name and shame, but there was one more. And there was one more, which is hilarious. You'll probably guess the adverts. They are just absolutely hilarious. If it feels right, do it. Heckle, <laughs> <laughs> in church. If it feels right, do it. What do we think that could be? If it feels right, do it. Sweet <laughs> What? Shampoo? Yay! Shampoo. Fantastic. It was shampoo. There is a, um, there's a series of adverts. People have to about that. Just hilarious. All of these are examples within our culture of an Elimelech mindset. Satisfy the here and now. Do whatever you need to do in order to be happy and comfortable. Don't think about the consequences. Don't think about how it impacts on other people. Just think about 
the here and now. And that is a lie that we are fed every day. They were on the same programme. Those three adverts were on the same programme in the space of an hour. And I was just laughing with Anne. I was just laughing. Um, one of my friends at work was telling me about um, a show that they watched, one of these reality TV shows, and she said, do you know what his, his entrance was? I've got a degree in pulling women. And I just thought, how sad. Yeah. How sad. If that's all you're remembered for in your life, if that's what your legacy is, sad. <laughs> There's no responsibility there. There's no forward thinking. That is just a closed mindset. Let's just satisfy the now. Let's satisfy the here. There is no thinking about the long-term consequences. Our choices are important. They impact not only us, but also those around us, the future generations that we bring into the world. Genealogies in the Bible are a fascinating read. They're the ones where it's like 15 pages of he was the son of such and such and he was the son of such and such and he was the son. And at first glance, they're pretty boring. I can remember when I first used to read the Bible, you used to skip past those bits. What is the point? Well, they tell us about a family's choices. They tell us about a heritage. And it's evident to see within the genealogies that when people don't follow God's plan for their lives or his advice, it has a lasting impact on family lives. It's evident to see. It takes one person and it just has a knock-on effect. Elimelech's decision to move his family out of the promised land into Moab meant that he took his family into an area rampant with sin. Was this wise? No. If he was thinking long-term about the legacy that he leaves, about the impact he has, he would have consulted the father. He would have asked God, where does he want him? Not taking the first option that arrives. This is the mindset that we need to have. How do our actions portray the gospel? How do our choices impact on our families? How do our choices impact upon our children, our children's children? How do our, impact, our choices sorry, impact on our nieces, our nephews, our cousins, people that we might have only met once, people at work? When we stand before God for eternity and give an account of our life that the Bible tells us, what will we say? I've mentioned Enoch before. Will we be like Enoch, who was known as a great man who walked with God? Will we be known as somebody who's brought the lorry household to Jesus? When I stand before God, will I see that my son has brought, come to the Father? My son's son comes to the Father? My son's son's son comes to the Father? Or will I be like a limelight and I take my family out of the way? And they fall away. <laughs> I used to know a bloke, and he was a fantastic bloke, and every day, every day he would pray for five generations of his family. Some of them weren't even born. That is responsibility. That is thinking about your legacy. That is thinking about how your actions have a knock-on effect. Praying for people in your family that aren't even here yet, that they would stay true to the Father, that they would stay true to God. Just another example, I once had a friend um, at two churches, at church, and it was the church before that, and he came to me, and we were just chatting, we used to meet for coffee quite a bit, and he came to me one day and said, I just feel like I'm not doing anything with my life. I said, why, what do you mean? And he said, he just had kids, and um, just moved house, and there was just a few bits and bobs going on there. And he said, I don't really feel like I'm doing anything. And I said, well, what do you feel like you are doing? And he said, well, I've got kids, so I'm bringing kids up. And as I was chatting, I was just helping him to see that if you do nothing else in your life, 
but bring up children who love the Father. If you do nothing else but bring up children who stay true to the Word, if you do nothing else but encourage them to stay faithful to the Father, the knock-on effect in that family line will be massive. Never underestimate the impact that you can have. Never underestimate the choices that you make, how they influence other people. People are watching us all the time. There's a bit of a challenge there. If you're married, how are you leading your families? Are you leading them in every choice to follow the Lord, or are we taking the easy option out? Are you encouraging your wives to, to, and reminding your wives of the promises that God gives, of where you should be? Wives, vice versa. If you're single, are you doing that with your friends? Are you spending time encouraging one another in God's promises? Are you spending time reminding one another what God says? Are you picking, out, picking each other up when we're falling down, when we're struggling? Elimelech needed somebody really to come alongside him and say, listen up, mate, it's not wise. That's our job as a family. That's your job. If you truly love somebody as Christ loves us, to do that. Mate, think about the impact that you're having there. Is that the wisest thing to do? I'm not going to spend too long carrying on because I've been, let me check the time, did say I was only going to be about 20 minutes. I didn't want to be that long. Perfect, 26 minutes. The beauty of Ruth is, if you get a chance to read Ruth, although Elimelech makes a poor choice, although he makes a poor decision, the fantastic thing about this is that Ruth is a brilliant story about redemption from poor choices. It's almost a figure, Boaz, who you later meet in the story, is a figure of Jesus who comes down and restores the poor choices that were made. Ruth is one of those books, I've spent probably about eight weeks reading through it and looking at various things. It's one of those books that there is just so much to learn from, and I would encourage you to go off and read. I've only introduced you to the first five verses. Have a look at what happens. Yes, he did make a poor choice. Elimelech didn't make the right choice for his family. But as you read further and further and further on, we see that God has his hand within it. God restores what was bad, and he makes it for his glory again. That's the theme of the Bible. We sin, we fall down, God restores. We sin, we make mistakes, Jesus comes down and restores us. Read it. I would really encourage you to read Ruth. It's not that long. We need to have a new mindset. We need to think counter-cultural, which is really difficult. We don't need to think about the here and now. We don't need to think about satisfying the here and now. We don't need to satisfy our desires and our lusts. Actually, that's not the wisest thing to do. And we see what happens to Elimelech. His children go off and marry and fall away. By marrying, by marrying sorry, a Moabite woman, God made it clear in Deuteronomy that um, a certain amount of generations, I can't remember off the top of my head, were not allowed even in the temple as a result. That's how severe the sin was to marry a Moabite woman. <coughs> how are we thinking? Short term, pleased to hear and now, or long term, not on effect for our families? What we do echoes in eternity. What we do leaves a legacy. What we do impacts those around us. Do we want to be like Elimelech? 
Do we want to be the person who flees at the first sight? Who doesn't think about the consequences for his family? Do we want to be the person who doesn't even consult God before making a choice? Or do we want to be like Jesus? And whether it's a hard road, an easy road, just say, Father, I submit to your way. Father, whatever you want, I will do. I'm going to finish there, because there's loads in Ruth. I could spend hours and hours talking about Ruth, but I'm not going to. I would really encourage you now to go on and read on. Go and read the next part of Ruth, and you will just see that although there was a poor choice made, we can learn massive lessons from it, loads of lessons from it, and we see Jesus come in as a figure of Boaz and restore that family. We need to think countercultural. We need to think of the long-term gain for the glory of the Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, that we can look at stories. Lord God, we thank you that we can learn from the Bible, the word that you've left us, Father God, that's full of wisdom, full of knowledge. It's full of mistakes, but there's a learning point within there. Heavenly Father, when we face hardships, when we face times that are brilliant as well, Lord God, and we have decisions to make, Lord God, we pray that we would think long-term. We pray, Father, that we would think about the effect that this has on people, Lord God. That we would stay true to your word, to your wisdom, Father God. Let us be like Solomon, who, when given the opportunity, he asked for wisdom from you. That's what we want. And Lord God, we apologise for the times when we do mess up. I've messed up loads. I've made snap decisions, I've made rash decisions, I've not had dialogue with the Father. But Lord God, we thank you that as we see in Ruth Jesus, that you come, take what was old, and make it new. Thank you, Father. You're a good Father. Amen.